Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crofferville. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. Good evening. We're going to go ahead and get started tonight. And uh, we're going to be uh, just uh, breaking away from uh, the current series uh, on the relevant cultural issues. Derek Gray will be back next week to pick that up. So make sure you're back next week. He'll pick up part three uh, on race next week. Tonight, uh, I want to talk to you about salt and light. Interesting that Jesus uses these two elements, salt and light. I mean, out of all the different things he could have chose when he's speaking, why did he choose these two things? Uh, And prayerfully tonight, as I share, you're going to figure out why. I mean, he could have chose a lot of different things. He could have chose like bread and water, peanut butter and jelly, you know. But why did he choose salt and light? And there's a reason for that. Uh, And it's really going to hopefully dig deep within you tonight. And it's going to just impact your life. So let's read the scripture. It's out of Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be reading verses 13 through 16. This is what it says. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This, where Jesus is speaking, is the really starting of the Beatitudes, his Sermon on the Mount. And it's interesting that in verse 13 and 14, he makes a comment. You are the salt. You are the light. And what you need to understand about that tonight is, is the word you that Jesus is referring to are those people who are following him are those people who are followers of Christ. That large crowd he is speaking to is who he's addressing. And we see that back in Matthew chapter five, verse one. It says, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. So I want you to see it first of all tonight that when he was talking, he was talking to a large mass of people saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Notice he makes the claim that they are that very thing. And what you and I need to understand tonight, we are the very same thing. We are. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are the salt of the earth. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. Because his disciples were not mentioned until Matthew chapter 10. Some may argue, well, he was speaking to his disciples. In fact, he was not. Because they're not mentioned until chapter 10. So we know that the crowd he is speaking to, those followers, is who he was referring to. Which tells us. That you and I are the salt and the light of the world. What we're going to see tonight is that when we talk about the light of the world, it's going to be more of an external focus. 
And when we talk about the salt, the salt's going to be more of an internal focus. And both are very, very key, and both are very, very important. And that is why Jesus takes this time to make people a reference to salt and light. So first, let's look at salt. He tells them, you are the salt of the earth. And of course, I'm glad he mentioned salt because I love salt. Um, But we're the salt. So, you know, there are tons of uses for salt. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, we know that they use it on icy roads up north. Thank the Lord we don't have to worry about icy roads here in Florida. But they have to use it up in the northern part of the, of the country. You know, it also soothes the bee sting. If you get stung by a bee, salt will help to soothe your very sting. It can eliminate a grease fire. It can also kill grass or weeds. Uh, people use to clean with it. You can clean like silver and brass with it. Uh, you can also use it for health and beauty items. Uh, salt is multifunctional. It has a lot of different uses. Uh, But tonight, I want us to look at maybe two major uses that salt is used for. Uh, The very first one that it is used for is basically preserving. Salt is a preservative. We we know that. Uh, Up until we had the refrigeration system invented, like the freezer and refrigerator, if you wanted to keep meat around, basically, you had to salt it. You had to go through a factory. In fact, if some of you still can today, you probably use some salt. In, your, in that canning process to maintain that food. Salt is a wonderful preservative. Jesus knew that. So if salt is designed to preserve food, and he tells us that we are to be salt, then that means we're supposed to be preserving something as well. What are we supposed to be preserving Let me tell you about the list could go on and on, but I just want to give you three thoughts tonight. First of all, we need to preserve Christ's love. Right now, our world is only focused on lust. It's only focused on greed. It's only focused on selfish ambitions. And now more than ever, we need to be focused. We need to be the people that will preserve the love of Christ. Typically... When someone is doing something for you, they have an ulterior motive behind them, don't they? And if we were to be honest, a lot of times when we do something, we usually have an ulterior motive behind us. I'm doing this so that I can get that. Or I'm doing this so in turn, hopefully you'll help me with that. But in all reality, when Christ did things for us, he did it for one reason and one reason only. Because he loved us. And now more than ever, our world needs to truly see the love of Christ. And the reason why the world is spiraling out of control is because the world is not really seeing the love of Christ through the church of Christ. The world is not really understanding the love of Christ through the life of the believers of Christ because we're not living that way. We have to be responsible and you have to understand tonight you will be held accountable for preserving God's love period once again you are the salt of the earth so if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ then he's holding you to an accountable time 
when he wants to make sure that you are displaying, you are showing his love truly. The second thing we see is that also we need to preserve Christ's truth. That is long gone from our society today. It is long gone. We see it too often in too many places where the author and the finisher of all lies is the enemy. He is the father of all lies. And we have seen over and over lie after lie after lie after lie. And let me be honest with you tonight. If you are one of those people that are living a lie, you're in trouble. Because what the world needs to see is the truth. They don't need to see a lie. So if we claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, then prayerfully that is what the world is seeing in your life and what the world is seeing in my life. Now let me be the first to admit I have failed. I know you have failed. But this is where we need to be. We need to be about preserving Christ's truth. And we also need to be preserving Christ's church. In case you don't know this, the church has gone way downhill. We now are allowing homosexual pastors in a church, which is not biblical. We are allowing many things to be involved in a church that should never have been in the church. Why? Because what the world has done, they have bought into the lie of the enemy. They have compromised the gospel. They have endorsed wrong doctrine. And because they're going down that slippery soda, the lie and the wrong doctrine, the church is crumbling. So let me give you some good news. I know I've been kind of frowning so far. This church will never, under the leadership of your senior pastor, Henry Jones, and your staff, we will never, ever, ever depart from what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says to do. We will live that out to our dying breath. Period. We will not cave into any society. We will not cave into any other doctrine. We know the Bible is true. We know it is inerrant. It's infallible. And we will hold it to the highest standard in our lives. The problem is, is that many churches today are not doing that. The reason why our world is in the situation that it's in is because the followers of Jesus Christ have not preserved the love of Christ, the truth of Christ, and the church of Christ. It's just that simple. In fact, listen to what it says. This is interesting. In 2 Corinthians 11.4, it says this. Paul was writing to a church. Now, this is a church. He said, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than I preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you've received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Paul says, listen. You guys have bought into so many different lies. So many different philosophies. And so many different truths. You're messed up. Just how messed up this church was? Well, let me give you some ideas. They had prostitution in the church. Not outside the church. In the church. Incest was going on. Sexual immorality was going on. They had many lawsuits against each other. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ, that should never be the case. We settle these things like brothers and sisters. They had a lot of false doctrines being taught. Why? Because they believe the lie of someone else rather than trusting the truth 
of God's word. Let me just say this. We need to be very careful tonight of what we see on social media, what we watch on YouTube, what we hear at our job. We got to make sure that when you hear that, that it lines up just not with one verse of the Bible. It lines up with every verse in the Bible. Because I can make the Bible to say anything I want it to say and prove it. You believe me? David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Jesus said, go thou and do likewise. So adultery is okay. Now, totally out of context, totally against the word of God, because the, the word of God is highly against adultery. But so often you will hear somebody quote one verse out of the Bible. They run on their own goose chase with it and you're going to believe it. Please don't. We have to make sure beyond any shadow of a doubt that every verse in the Bible lines up with every other verse in the Bible. We have to make sure that our world knows the truth and nothing but the truth. Well, you may say, well, how do we do that? Well, you know what? That's pretty simple. It starts all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you shall do in your heart. Now listen to what it says. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Where does it start? It starts in the home. It starts as a mother and a father, a grandfather and a grandmother teaching their children the laws and the word of God. May it be said about you that you teach it too much. That'd be all right. It, it, listen, I, sometimes we can get carried away. I get that. But the truth is, we need to teach that. And don't worry, if you do not have kids, notice what it says in Psalms 145. One generation shall commend your works to another. Just one generation. The psalmist said, listen, if you're older, you ought to be teaching the younger. You ought to be teaching them the truths of God's word. You ought to be teaching them the truth about what's going on in their life. You may not be some kid's parent. You may not be some young person's parent. But you need to instill the truth of God's word in their heart and in their life so that they'll live it. Now, there's a possibility they may not. But let them be guilty of knowing and not doing it rather than not knowing and doing it. I remember one time when my children were younger. I'll never forget this, and it, it kind of rang my bell. <laughs> one of my daughters said, Dad, is there ever a time that when you sit down to instruct us, you don't have to use the Word of God? And I got to thinking, you know what? Maybe every now and then I may not need to be just, but it was in my brain. It's just instilled because it should be instilled in each and every one of our lives that now more than ever, our world needs to know and hear the truth of God. When I was growing up, my small city shut down on Wednesdays at noon. You know, want to know why? Because the number one focus on Wednesday night was what? Church. No football, no basketball, no anything. Because everything centered around church. Today, not even the case. Not even close. In fact, today, most things are happening on Sunday. Because we've let that slip away. 
And because the church as a whole is letting that slip away, this could be danger if we're not careful. Listen to what it says in Judges. And all that generation also was gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. That's sad. Could you imagine a generation being raised where they never heard about Jesus Christ? They never heard about the cross of Calvary. If you and I are not doing that, that generation will come to pass. You probably heard this before. We are just one generation away from being biblically integrated. Just one. So tonight, let's be careful that we are the ones preserving. As salt preserves, we need to preserve the word of God and the truth of God. Well, the second thing that salt does is as it seasons things. I love salt. Anybody will tell you I like a little bit of food with my salt. Salt just makes food taste good. And for those who have high blood pressure, I'm sorry. <laughs> there may be a day when that happens to me. But at this point, no, I'm always laughing because when I go into the doctor, they say, are you a runner? Because your blood pressure is so low. I'm like, not even close. I may run to the refrigerator and that's about it. But I, I don't run anywhere else. <laughs> But I'm blessed in that way, I guess. But anyway, salt flavors things. And they put salt on their food as well. Well, guess what? What kind of taste are we leaving in someone's mouth? I mean, when we talk to people, when we interact with people, and when we walk away, are we leaving a good and flavorable taste in their mouth about Jesus Christ? Or is it something different? Now, please understand me. I know there are times in your life when there's going to be confrontation involved and you have to do confrontation. But there's a way of doing confrontation godly and holy and honorable and respectable. But the truth is, what kind of impact are we doing in people's lives? What kind of impact are we having in their lives? This will probably be, if you don't remember any other verse tonight, please remember this one. John 12, 21. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, why do you think I have, Sir, we wish to see Jesus highlighted? Because when people see me and people see you, what should they be seeing? Jesus. That's exactly right. They should be seeing Jesus. But... Sometimes there's a problem with that. Listen to what it says in back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste. Now, that's interesting. You may say, how in the world does salt lose its taste? Or let's take it one step forward. How is it that if I or we know Christ, how do such bad things come about since we're the salt of the earth? Interesting thought, isn't it? I'm going to take you on a little bit of a science run for a minute. Now, I'm not a science person by any means. So if you're a science teacher tonight, please forgive me if I don't quite do it as accurate as you would or as articulate. But I want to use a little bit of a science lesson tonight. So salt is composed of sodium and chloride. And you can see the Na is on the left side, number 11. And on almost the far right, number 17, is the chloride. These are two elements. 
And what's interesting about it is that sodium produces a positive electronic bond and chloride has a negative. And any time the outer shell of an atom or an element is not complete, it forces either a positive charge or a negative charge. And because it has either a positive or negative, it then goes on the hunt to find just the opposite. You ever heard that saying, opposites attract? Well, in the world of our elements, that's what exactly happens. So as the chloride is looking for a positive charge, the sodium is looking for a negative charge. And it just so happens that the sodium has one electron out on the outer shell of its element. And of course, the chloride is looking for one more. And so what happens, as you can see in the picture, the sodium then will what they do it called an ionic bond with the chloride, which then we have sodium chloride. We have salt. And when those two bond together, this is what it looks like. And here's what's interesting. After these two combine together, there is no longer a negative charge or a positive charge. It is completely neutral, which means it's finished. It doesn't have to look for anything else. It's complete. It's all done. So when it's all done and it's complete, guess what? It's not looking for anything else. Salt by itself will never, ever lose its flavor, ever. Salt only loses its flavor when it is invaded by another element that it breaks it down. Because once again, when they form that ionic bond it becomes neutral. It's, it's not looking for anything else. It's complete. But what happens, for instance, when you drop salt in the water, all of a sudden, that negative charge from the oxygen starts looking for the positive charge in the chloride. And because there's so many more negative charges in the oxygen, when it starts attacking the chloride, the chloride will naturally release from the sodium and let go, and then it breaks down. Salt by itself is complete, but when it gets invaded by something that is more, what they call active, by the, by the H2O, when water gets in the chloride and it starts pulling away at the lesser of the forces, it just pulls it out. So salt breaks down. So Pastor Chuck, why are you telling us all this? Because you and I are very negative. But when we meet Jesus Christ, he's positive. And when he finally bonds with me and you, guess what? All the sin is wiped away. All the looking for hope, all the looking for peace, all the looking for fulfillment is gone. Why? Because he satisfies you. He's the missing element that you're looking for. Long before the periodic table was ever formed, the Lord knew what salt was about. He says, we're the salt. And when we form with Jesus Christ, our looking days are over with. That negative influence we've had in our life, all the negativity that's going on in our life, will no longer be there because Christ, in His positive way, will take it away. But we have a problem, don't we? Every now and then, 
we allow the negative elements of this world to get in between us. And if we're not careful what the negative elements of the world do, just like it does with salt, the negative elements will literally pull Christ out of your life. Pull him away from you. And when you allow Christ to be out of the center point of your life, out of the center focus of your life, your life's going to be in trouble. You're going to do things you wish you've never done. You're going to say things which you never wish you would have said. Why? Because you allowed the negative elements of this world to push you apart. Just like the salt is broken down by water when the oxygen pulls the chloride away from the sodium. When we allow the negativity and the negative things of this world to get in between us and Christ, it literally will pull Christ out of your life. Now, you may say that nah, that's not the case, Pastor, that, that that really doesn't happen. Are you sure? Because, see, in Matthew chapter 13, there's a story about a parable and it's called the parable of the sower. And it talks about a farmer going out and sowing seed. In a field, he sows seed and first it hits the ground. And of course, the seed represents the word of God. And it says the bird just come along and picks the seed up and just takes it away. He says then another one falls on some shallow ground. And it starts to grow. But the sun comes up and destroys it. He said then the third one grows in some some grass, some some areas that have a lot of weeds and the weeds just choke it out. What does the weeds choke out? The word and the love of God. What did the sun dry out? The word and the love of God. But he said, but however, the fourth seed falls or the fourth area of seeds fall on fertile soil and it grows and yields some 30, some 60, some 100 percent. So you and I have to be careful because if we allow the, the things of this world and sometimes they're not even bad. You understand there are good things in life, but sometimes we miss out on the best things in life for the good things in life. I get it, man. There's some there's some good stuff on YouTube. There's some good stuff around. But if it's replacing your time with Jesus, that YouTube is just pushing Jesus right out of your life. It just keeps pushing. So the question for you tonight is this. What things are invading my relationship with the Lord? What are some of the things that are causing me to break down or lose my flavor? Just like salt breaks down with water. Because we're not careful that'll happen. What we need to do tonight is, is we need to understand we are the salt of the world. And so we need to be very prayerful and careful not to allow the negativities of this world to invade our church, to invade our life. So it's going to leave a sweet taste in everybody else's life. Well, Jesus goes on to talk about the light. Remember, the salt is internal. Talk, we talk more about our internal functions. The light is external. He says, you are the light of the world. Well, we know what light is. I mean, light does a lot of neat things. Light's used for sight and for vision. I mean, we need light to see, to guide us. Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Like at the Coburn house, usually in the middle of the night, it's pitch black. And then I have to use my toes to find the furniture. And typically that's not fun. Light would be good so you can see. We need light for vision. We also need the sun for warmth. I mean, think about that. Walk out at two o'clock this afternoon. How did you feel? You didn't feel cold, I guarantee it. Because of the warmth of the sun. 
you realize we need Jesus to give us sight, to give us vision. We need Jesus to warm our cold, darkened heart. Light also causes photosynthesis so that our plants will grow and develop to feed us. We need Jesus to grow us, to develop the, His love and light to grow us and feed us. You know, light's also used as a disinfectant. I mean, the UV rays from the sun is a disinfectant that kills bacteria. <laughs> the light of God's Word will disinfect you real quick when you read it, if you take it to heart. And of course, we use the light for power and solar energy. And of course, Jesus is the one, His light gives us power. He also goes on to say that we are a city set on a hill and we cannot be hidden. You realize what he's saying, right? What Jesus is saying is this. You're a goldfish living in a goldfish bowl. You realize those goldfish up there cannot hide. They can't go anywhere. They're not, they're, they will never be out of that lady's sight. You understand that no matter where you go, Somebody will be watching you. Somebody's going to be watching how you talk, how you act, how you live. And if you don't know anything else, you need to know this. You and I will impact our world, whether we want to or not. You're going to impact your world. You're either going to impact it in a positive way or you're going to impact your world in a negative way. Period. You're going to impact your world. The only way you could not impact your world would you'd have to be this guy right here. Okay? If you were marooned on a deserted island all by yourself, that's about the only way you're not going to impact your world because nobody else is there to impact. But since we're all around here tonight, guess what? You are going to impact your world. The question is, are you going to impact it in a negative way or a positive way? So let's look real quick at the three ways that we can... Three ways to shine your light. Here's the first way. Uh, you can shine your light too bright. That may be hard to believe that uh, you can shine your light too bright. But that is the truth. You ever watched a deer when it gets in front of a car? We call it the deer in the headlight look. Its eyes get real big and it just freezes. Why? You'd freeze too if you had like a 100,000 candle beam light shining in your face. Because... What happens, sometimes we become too churchy. We use those big churchy words. You know what I'm talking about. We hear these big churchy words in the lost world. Don't you know what a church word is? They need a dictionary to figure out sometimes what Calvinism is and Armenianism is and, you know, predestination and amillennialism. You go on and on. We can get too churchy. And you think you're... Holier-than-thou attitude is going to help people, and in all reality, it hurts people. Sometimes we get to the place where we show no mercy or grace. I just want to remind you that a three-year-old is always going to act like a three-year-old. And I wish I could say that a 21-year-old would always act like a 21-year-old, but every now and then they act like a three-year-old. It's just life. But we can't expect a three-year-old to act like an adult. Why? Because they're not an adult. So we can't expect the world to act like Jesus because they're not Jesus. And yet we demand that. Yet we, we can't figure out why they're not. 
So what I'm trying to tell you is before you met Christ, you probably behaved that way too. So what we need to do is be a little more merciful and more gracious with them so that we can help them get to that place. And if we're not careful, we can even get to the place where we become very uncaring or unconcerned about the world. We developed a hard heart, and that's what we don't need to do. And last, sometimes we forget that we're sinners too. Do you realize we need to do this like Jesus did it? Jesus always met people where they were at. You hear me? Let me help you. When Jesus met the woman at the well, she had been married five times and was living with a man. And Jesus didn't say, how dare you? How could you? He met her right where she was at and turned her life around. He met this little short guy that was way up in a tree. And no, his name wasn't Chuck. It was Zacchaeus. And he didn't say, how dare you thief, robber? Because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a thief. No, he said, Zach, let's go to your house today. I want to have a lunch with you. He met him where he was at. Because if we try to show the complete love of Christ to a lost world, they'll just turn away from it. How do I know that? Because even Moses asked the Lord, I want to see you. And the Lord said, nope, you can't see all of me. In fact, here's what I'm going to do for you, Moses. I'm going to put my hand up over your face. And the best you're going to be able to see is from behind me. Because Moses, no man has ever seen me face to face and lived. The Lord understood that if Moses called all of him, Moses would be a dead man. What that tells us tonight is, is that if we're not careful, we can try to be so spiritual, so holy that we're literally going to drive the world away from Christ rather than winning them to Christ. There's an old saying, you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. So let's not do that tonight. For those co-workers, for those people that are around you that you shake your head every day, just pray for them. Pray, say, Lord, give me, give me wisdom on how to handle them. Give me, give me the words, Lord, what to share with them, to speak to them. Rather than just casting them off. The second way of shining your light is to be very deceptive. And yes, that is true. We can be deceptive about how we share the love of Christ. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So the question is, does our works and actions leave people confused? I mean, if we're supposed to be so-called Christians, if we're supposed to be those people, are we confusing them by the way we live? And there's a possibility to say yes. So look at this. This is the headlight. You know, you can see very clearly out of a headlight when it's not all distorted and fogged up. And when things get real clouded, man, things get real blurry and hard to see. And what happens, and in your life and in my life, if we allow the things of the world to come out in our life and we claim to be followers of Christ, it confuses the world. And we have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful how we interact with people so that we interact in a loving, caring, gentle way rather than a wrong way. So let me let me give you some 
ways that think about this. So you leave church on a Sunday morning and you go to a restaurant. And at the restaurant, how do you treat your waiter or waitress? Now, remember, they know you just came from River of Life. You've met with Jesus on Sunday morning. How are you going to treat them? How are you going to interact with them? And then when it's all said and done at the end, what kind of tip are you going to leave them? And you may say, well, it all depends on how well they treat me. Huh, really? So let me ask you this. Let's just suppose you have a bad day at work. You don't quite get all the things done you need to do. Should they dock you a couple hours of pay because you didn't live up to their standard today? And you say, no. So if a waitress just had happened to forget your order or maybe misrepresent your order, or maybe he or she's not the best in the world, you know what you really should do? You should tip them more than ever and say, I love you and I hope your day gets better. After all, if you had a bad day at work, would you rather somebody jip you and fuss at you? Or would you rather have somebody look at you and try to cheer you up and encourage you? Just saying. But remember, you just came from River of Life. So what picture are you painting for that lost person? How about this? When you go to the grocery store and you're coming out of the grocery store and you got your buggy. Do you put your buggy back in that buggy rack or you just kind of scoot it away in between some other cars and maybe hit somebody's brand new car and scratch it? We say, Lord, I hope not. See, once again, you say, well, what's the big deal? It's not right or wrong. You're right. It's not unethical to leave your buggy out in the middle of the parking lot. Because you may say, well, I'm just trying to give somebody at the grocery store job security. But you have to understand somebody's watching you. What picture are you painting for them? Are you painting a picture that says, wow, I want to be just like them? Or are you painting a picture that says, well, so much for being a Christian? Once again, we live in a goldfish bowl. People watch us all the time. They watch how you act, how you interact, what you do, where you go. And so for us, if we want our world to be better, then it starts with us. Our world has to see a better me. Our world has to see a better you. I was told a story this past Sunday, and it was so interesting, about a lady that had developed cataracts. And she'd had cataracts for many years. And when she looked in the mirror, you know, did her hair, she thought she was beautiful. Well, she had her cataracts removed. And the first time she looked in the mirror, she went, oh, my goodness, look at my wrinkles. I didn't know I looked this bad. <laughs> see, when we remove the cloud out of our face, we'll see how things really should be. What words, what actions, maybe what non-actions, maybe it's something you're not doing. Could we be doing that would cause cloudiness to come over us that would cause someone else not to see the true light of Christ? Because we're shining a light. It's either going to be too bright, it's either going to be too dark and deceptive, or hopefully it's going to be just right. Because the Bible tells us, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. We're not showing our good works. Or you shouldn't be showing your good works just to prove yourself. 
You should be showing your good works because that's what's inside you. You should be loving and caring for people because that's what's inside you. Because truly, when a man or a woman meets Jesus Christ, he gives them a new heart. He gives them a new life. They're a, they're a new person. And people need to see that within us. That's what they need to see. So, how do we shine the light of Christ just right? Well, it's pretty simple. We just give people what they need the way Christ did. Just that simple. Jesus made it pretty clear. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. What Jesus says, listen, give a person what they need. Not what they want, what they need. If somebody needs a shoulder to cry on, give them your shoulder. If somebody, listen, if somebody actually needs to be rebuked or they need to be corrected, then rebuke and correct them in a loving, caring way. But you give them what they need. When Jesus met the woman at the well, when he met Zacchaeus, he talked to them in such a way he won them over. <laughs> but when he talked to the religious leaders, it was a whole other story. He squared up with them, got firm. The best thing you can ever do is give the world what it needs. And there are times when the world needs the truth of God, the love of God, the encouragement of God. Sometimes they need the correction of God. You give them what they need. Our world is starving for the truth of God's love and God's word. And they're not going to get it from anybody else but you and me. Why? Because we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And if wasn't said any better than this, I love what Frank Kennedy said this past Sunday. He told our senior pastor, you wear Jesus well. We need to wear Jesus well. When we wear Jesus well, we will show and share and we will display the truth and love of Christ so that the world will understand who he really is. And that's what we need to do from this moment on. Let us truly be the salt and the light of this world so that they can understand who Jesus Christ really is. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, I want to say thank you for uh, giving us such revelation in your word. Thank you so much uh, for choosing us to be the salt and the light of the world. And, and I want to say, forgive me, Lord, for not being the true light and Lord, the true salt that I needed to be. But tonight, we, Lord, we ask you to forgive us and we pray that you'll allow us to be the salt and the light for you. That, Lord, tomorrow when we get up or even tonight when we go home, that we will give people what they need. Father, that we will shine your loving light on their life. That when they walk away from us, Lord, they will have a good taste in their mouth about Christianity and about you. Because they'll have seen you in our lives. Father, we make a commitment 
that we will never give in to the world. We will never sell out to the devil's lies. But Father, we will hold your word high and we will sing it, we will read it, and we will live it to our very dying breath. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for loving us, for just caring for us and allowing us to be a part of life and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that in his name. Amen. Amen. Hey, remember um, two things. Next Wednesday night, Derek will be back in function. He'll be doing uh, the race part three. And also this coming Sunday, we are having a big family fellowship right after church. We're providing you lunch. Uh, all we ask you ladies do bring some food. I think we're going to have a little bit of competition. Who's got like the best dessert? And um, we've also issued a challenge for some of you men that want to be involved. Uh, I went over earlier and challenged the youth that we adults would challenge them in some volleyball and some basketball and told them to put on their humility clothes because they would be humbled by us adults. So please let me live up to my word. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you again for watching our message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact our office at 850-926-1200 or email us at info.rolopropagate.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us Sunday mornings at 1030 